0: What's up? Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, July 13th, 2015. As always, broadcasting from the Beantown Athletics Studio in Dorchester, Massachusetts, which reminds me, Beantown Athletics specializes in custom uniforms and business apparel as the only in-house union screen printer in Boston. Follow them on Twitter at Beantown underscore dot, also on Facebook, Facebook facebook.com. Slash Beantown Athletics also on Instagram and when you do give them a call or swing by the shop here on Granite Ave make sure you tell them that I sent you their phone number 617-282-4181 that's 617-282-4181 what a weekend you can kind of tell by listening to me that uh, I've been yelling a lot this weekend well I did do uh, four hours on WEI Saturday from Fenway uh, inside Fenway Uh, on their Lansdowne Street studio for WEI, and, of course, a whole lot of yelling at the TV this weekend as the Red Sox lose two of three against the Yankees at Fenway in a crucial, crucial series before the All-Star break. And now, uh, with losing two of those three, the Red Sox go into the All-Star break six-and-a-half games out of first place. The Yankees in first in the AL East, Red Sox in last Uh, To go along with the Red Sox being in last place, there's certainly some other big news with this team. The Clay Buchholz situation, which we talked about a lot on Saturday on WEI, and I took a lot of calls, uh, just got some dots on Buchholz from some people in this town, and, I mean, if you've listened to me, whether it's on the radio or on the podcast, you know how I feel about Clay Buchholz. Whether it's last year or this year, um, I've been someone that's always defended him. I'm not going to tell you that when he left the game in the fourth inning the other night with elbow tightness, elbow stiffness, and now has been put on the DL. The good news, no ligament damage. He won't throw for about a week, but still, it sounds like they're not going to rush him back in any capacity, which obviously means that you, there's now no trade value for Clay Buckholz. Um, but I won't tell you that when he left the game, he was faking an injury. Some people wanted to come up with that theory. I'm not going to say that. Some people also wanted to look at him and say, oh, he's not a tough kid. He can't play through the pain. Well, i look at it and say, if he kept pitching through that injury, he probably would have tore something. We're probably talking about structural damage and we're talking surgery right now, season over. And what are people doing then? They'd be criticizing John Farrell. They'd be criticizing Buckholz for saying, if you feel some type of stiffness or tightness, tell someone about it, right? So he never was going to win in this situation if anything happened or he gets hurt again. But the problem is, gets hurt again. And that seems to be the career now of Clay Buckholz, is not being able to finish a season, especially the seasons in which he is a dominant pitcher. Now, he turned into a dominant pitcher this season. Um. obviously we know what happened in 2013. Going into the All-Star break around this time, he also got injured, and if he didn't that year, he probably would have been starting for the American League in the All-Star game. But he got hurt, and when he came back in 2013, he just was never the same pitcher. And that's why now you look at Buckholz, and even though they, it seems like the Red Sox might have dodged a bullet here with no ligament damage and no structural damage, whatever, however you want to term it, Basically, no surgery right now. Uh, it looks like they dodged a bullet, but at the same time, given the history here, there's there's absolutely no guarantee that Buck Holtz is going to come back and is going to be the pitcher that he was before the injury. There's there's, just, there's, there's nothing that tells me that's going to happen. So, um, I, I, the way I've felt about Buck Holtz, as much as I've defended him in the past, seeing how dominant he was this season, but just knowing the history of how he's not able to finish the season either health-wise or also is, is just – I am I was also waiting for him to just sort of get rattled, to, for a team to rattle his cage, for him to not be as dominant and throw a couple stinkers on the mound out there. You know, I was waiting for that as well. And, and, and to predict that is not crazy. To predict that some way, shape, or form Clay Buchholz was not going to finish this season as a dominant pitcher – as I said on WEI, it wasn't like you, you'd be fucking predicting dinosaurs to roam the earth again. I mean, it's a pretty good prediction to make, right? It's not crazy. And here we are now with Buck Colts injured. And my biggest thing is the trade value. Because as I've told you, even though I've defended him in the past, I've sat here on multiple occasions telling you the Red Sox need to trade Clay Buck Colts when his value is at its highest, which is right, which was before this injury. Uh, Now, it's unfortunate that he gets hurt right now because, clearly, the trade deadline isn't until July 31st. So, we still have some time. It is July 13th today. There's also the waiver deadline. You can get traded after July 31st. It's just a more complicated process, right? You get put on waivers. You might clear waivers, which means you can get traded anywhere. Uh, You might have some teams basically try to scoop you up through the waiver wire. And you might have a team that's also trying to put a block on another team, which means that they, you know, you won't be able to get traded to one of the best clubs. Because the way the waiver wire works is it goes from worst team to the best team, right? Worst team has the first opportunity. A team could just try to claim him just with the thoughts of, we don't actually want him. We're just going to put a block on the first place team from being able to acquire him. Uh, this season. And that could very well happen. So it's a more complicated process, but it still can get done. You still can get traded. That said, I really did think the Red Sox should have pushed to try and trade Buckholz. Now, this injury obviously complicates things because the trade value here, I mean, it's it's no longer high. And it's unfortunate for Buckholz, with the type of season he was having. And in my opinion, it's unfortunate for the Red Sox, not because I think, not because I wanted them to hold on to him and he was going to lead this team to a championship run because I don't think that was going to happen. But it's unfortunate for the Red Sox because I think that they could have probably got a very good trade package if Clay Buchholz stayed healthy and he remained dominant up until July 31st. I really do think they maybe could have packaged Buck Colt, who knows, with a couple other prospects to get a top prospect pitcher, much like how you acquired, uh, you know, the last year at the deadline, Eddie Rodriguez, right? That's the deal to me that I keep looking at and say, how do you get another top prospect pitcher at this trade deadline? I think Buck Colt's is make, that's the move that you would make. Well, not anymore, obviously. That, that, value is no longer there with him so I'm frustrated about that I know it kind of sounded like on Saturday on WEI I was crushing the Red Sox for um you know not making the move before the trade and and I guess you could say that well Danny that's you're saying that in hindsight no I mean I've been saying it for a while you know I wanted them to trade him three weeks ago at his highest value But but I understand that said I understand that that there was still time before the deadline, and maybe the Red Sox were gonna move him. They were thinking about moving him. So I, I don't know that I can crush him too much because it's just that's an unlucky, unfortunate circumstance. That, but again, I won't say that you couldn't predict it happening because you probably did predict it to happen, right? So the, the Buckholtz injury is there. Uh, you get Eddie Rodriguez. You know he dazzles on on Saturday night for you. You get that win, and then uh. Sunday, yesterday, Wade Miley, tough, tough outing for Wade Miley. Uh, Now, he's been very good. Wade Miley's been very good. But yesterday, five and a third, allows six runs on seven hits. Didn't walk anyone, only struck out two, did allow one home run. He also balked the game-time run at three to three. And this was in the fifth inning. Red Sox led it three to two in the fifth, going into the fifth. What... What happened first and third? Wade Miley balk. Run scores. Um and people complain about this. I've been telling you all season long. You know, they rave about Wade Miley's pickoff move. You know why it's so good? Because it's a balk. He balked yesterday. And they're complaining about it. He stepped home. He didn't step to the base or in a whatever, a 45 degree angle. He balked. That's a balk. And he complains about it. Uh, you know, I've been saying this since the minute I saw it. I said, wait a minute. No wonder why he's getting—he's he's throwing guys out, mowing them down in first base. He's stepping towards home plate. It's a fucking bark. And he barked yesterday. T- Game-time run scores. Tied at three. And then it was just, it was double city in the sixth inning. Double here, double there. That's what happens when you don't have overpowering stuff. And as good as Wade Miley has been going into this game, I I watch him pitch all the time, and I guess I'm sort of shocked that he's been this good because he doesn't have great stuff. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. Uh, He doesn't have any nasty pitches, right? You know, I I think he likes to work quick, and maybe that's how he just gets in, hit his heads, and maybe it works for him like that. But, you know, I've always looked at Miley, and I've said, okay, he's on a good stretch here. But again, I'm, I'm just I'm waiting for teams to to catch up on him. I'm waiting for that you know that inside cut fastball or slider a guy like a Rod to just clean that thing out all day, right? That's what he did yesterday. So I, you know I, there's really no surprise to me. I'm not surprised when Miley has a day like that. I, I'm, I'm more surprised when when he goes on the dominant stretch that he was on, you know, going into yesterday's game. But you have got to acknowledge it. He was dominant going into yesterday's game. But every once in a while he has these stinkers, and yes, and yesterday was one of them. Uh, and it's no good, because it came at the wrong place, the wrong time, and the first-place Yankees came into your building, into your ballpark, and they took two of three. And it just, you needed to, I said they needed to sweep, the Red Sox. The, the Red Sox needed to sweep. But if you could convince me that you could take two of three and be, what, um you know f- five and a half out then okay I would have said that's that's fine I- I'll take that but now you know an extra game you lose two of three you're six and a half out Buck Holtz gets hurt Miley gets uh, knocked around and hey you're gonna call Brian Johnson up and I don't necessarily know that that's waving the white flag in any way shape or form let's give the kid a chance you know I'm not gonna sit here and crown him and say he will be as good as Eddie Rodriguez has been since he's been called up. But um, I, I'm going to say, give him a shot. I'm not saying that that he's going to come up and be an automatic failure just because just because he he was in the minor leagues. I mean, no, I'm not going to do that. So I, I'm giving him a shot. We'll we'll give Brian Johnson a shot, and uh, we'll see what happens. But we are at the All Star break now. And the other story you're going to hear this day: David Ortiz was sent home with a cold, and he he did not. Not not only did he not play yesterday, he did not dress because he was not at Fenway. And people are going to have an issue with this. And look, it's easy for us to jump on a guy, especially the leader of a team, in a huge series, in a huge game yesterday, against your rival, against the first place team in your division, in a must-win game, right? It's easy for us to sit here and knock that player that leader on your team, your cleanup guy, your DH, it's easy to knock him and say, oh, he's only got a cold. It's easy really to knock any professional athlete who misses a game because he's got an illness. He's got a cold, right? Of course, until we get sick. Yeah, you know, you ever knock a guy and then you say, then like you get sick two weeks later, you can't get out of bed and you can't go to work and you can't come in and you're calling your boss and you're saying, or you're calling your producer if you're in my business saying, oh, I can't do it. I'm sick. I got a fever, I got the chills, I can't get out of bed, every bone of my body aches, I've been puking, uh, it could be just a 24-hour bug here, but a virus, I feel terrible, you know, it, it, you feel brutal, so uh, it's easy for us to criticize these guys because we say, come on, he's sick, he can't show up and play these games bec- because he's sick, he's got to go home because he's sick, uh, and then we, and then you get sick yourself, and you're like, oh, wow, <laughs> Um, I feel terrible, and I realize that I probably couldn't step into a uh, major league game and hit a couple balls right now, right? So, uh, I'm hesitant to go after guys hard. You obviously look for us who are sitting here not making millions of dollars each year to be a DH in Major League Baseball. We do, you know, it's only human nature for us to sort of roll our eyes when a guy misses time sent home with a cold and we say come on really a cold and illness but you know I I, I just I'm gonna have a tough time getting worked up about this because at the end of the day yesterday I get that Ortiz if he was up if he was in the game you know you lose this one by two runs it's eight to six bottom line is this you didn't get your pitching yesterday and you, you just you're not gonna win you're not gonna win in this league without pitching And to me, it didn't matter if Ortiz was in that game or not yesterday. I know he could have put one ball in the seats with a runner on base or two runners on base, and he could have won it. I get that. But, you know, for all we know, the Red Sox were going to go out and then let up three more runs the next inning. Right? That's just the way they were pitching in this one yesterday. Uh, That's the way this thing went down. You were not winning this game because you didn't have the pitching yesterday. Okay? That's it. That's it. You know, when, when, when you're trying to win the rubber match of the biggest series of the year heading into the All-Star break in your own ballpark, um, you need, and you score six runs, you better win that game. Honestly, you better win that game. You're telling me you scored six? You got to win. And that means you got to pitch. And the Red Sox couldn't pitch. Wade Miley was bad yesterday. And it didn't help that uh, one of his patented, you know, pickoff moves was called a buck, which it was. All day, every day. That's a buck. They got the call right. Okay? Let's stop complaining about the umpires. And if you're asking me to sit here and complain and, and crush David Ortiz all day today, I just I don't have the energy to do it. I don't have it in me. Because I don't look at this game yesterday and say, that's why the Red Sox lost. They lost because they didn't pitch. Wade Miley showed up and couldn't pitch. And here he is with an 8-8 and record with a 4.80 ERA. Right? So... Uh, Red Sox lose 2 of 3. We're now at the All-Star break. And the Red Sox don't get back at it again until, what, Friday? Friday, they on the West Coast. They're in L.A. against the Angels Friday night. So we'll see how the rotation looks with no buck and where Brian Johnson is going to go in the rotation. Uh, but until then, obviously, you know, we'll take a look at the All-Star week. Tonight's the home run derby. Don't, they are saying that they might not get it in, as crazy as that sounds. They might not get the home run derby in. Because of weather, uh, you know, you got some, you got some weather issues, and that's going to be no good for for the for the home run derby. That's not going to be good publicity for Major League Baseball to have this home run derby in which you have new rules. And by the way, the home run derby roster is actually pretty damn good, right? Pujols, Chris Bryant, Manny Machado, Josh Donaldson, Prince Fielder. Uh, Jock Peterson, um, Anthony Rizzo. Who else do you got? Todd Frazier. I mean, this is a this is a good. You got good young players. You got some good veterans. This is a good mix. I like this home run derby. I'm trying to figure out the rules, and I went to the page today and read the rules, and I'm reading them, and it's like, uh, here here we go. Let me let me read this to you. The other big alteration in this year's derby is the timer that will start with the release of the first pitch. Each batter will have five minutes to hit as many home runs as possible. However, batters can extend their time in four ways. Now, I started to read this four ways, and I just, my mind was spinning. And I, I just, I, I don't even care. It, number one, utilizing their one timeout per round. How about this one? Hitting a home run in the final minute. Pauses the clock until the batter hits a ball that does not land in home run territory or swings and misses at a pitch. Uh, The time also stops when you hit at least two homers that equal or exceed 420 feet. Uh, No, it earns you one minute of bonus time. And then hitting a home run that travels at least 475 feet earns you 30 seconds of bonus time. Oh, man. This is going to be driving me crazy watching this tonight. Because uh, here's what I wish. This is a great roster that you got tonight for the home run derby. Just have a fucking home run derby. Don't give me a timer. What is Major League Baseball's obsession with timers and putting a clock in the game? Enough! Like, I don't need extra rules in the home run derby. Here are the rules I need in the home run derby. Guy steps up to plate, guy sees pitch, guy hits ball over the fucking fence. That's it! That's all I need! I don't need time. I don't need where you can extend the clock 30 seconds if you hit a ball 465 feet. No, I don't need that please I, I I don't need guys having one timeout per round I, if you need to step out of the batter's box to get your breather or get a drink and have somebody come out you know they come out and they wipe you know they or you know they will cut will come out with the towel and wipe someone down right back in the day it, or Miguel Tejada used to come out with a towel and wipe someone down let someone come down and wipe them down with a towel you need you, what if they don't have a timeout they're not going to do that because yes you put a fucking timer on the home run derby I don't like it, right? And people say, "Well, it lasts too long, anyways." Well, then you know what? Don't watch. If you think it lasts too long, don't watch. The home run derby to me is it should have simple rules to follow along. Guys, step up to the plate and try to hit home runs. And if they don't, they're gone. If they don't hit as many home runs as the next guy, he's out. I do like the brackets, but you know, and the seedings. But it's a great roster, and I think I don't know. I. I I just don't like the timer. I don't like a clock being on this thing tonight. So, we'll see if they even get it in. They're saying the weather's terrible in Cincinnati. That'll be brutal for the the sport, for the game. Terrible publicity. If you have this home run derby, new rules. 8 o'clock, Cincinnati. Oh, can't have it. It's raining. <laughs> uh, that'll be tough for the game. Of course, the All-Star game will be tomorrow night. Uh, you got, of course, as we as we always see, certain players, you know, Dropping like flies out of this game on certain pitches, not being able to pitch, um, managers telling the all-star game managers, saying, "Hey, my guy pitched on Friday, Saturday. Can you try not to use him? Or if you do use him, can you only have him throw seven pitches?" Right. I mean, this this shit goes on, and that's why I think you know you make a great argument for for this game shouldn't count, but it does. Uh, so, we'll see how it plays out. We'll see what the final roster's Uh but you're still gonna have more guys drop out. I bet today, honestly, you, you'll have a couple guys getting getting the call today. Hey, can you? How quick can you get to Cincinnati? Uh so and so, so and so just pulled out, pulled out of the game. I guess he's going to the Bahamas instead, right? So, keep an eye on it. Uh, I'll I'll react to the home run derby tomorrow and the new rules and the new timer they have. As of right now, I don't like it. Maybe they'll change my mind when I see it. Who knows? I'll react tomorrow. So what else ha- What else happened this weekend? All baseball for me this weekend, really. That's really all I cared about. Though I will say this, and I don't know if it was, was it Friday? What day was this? The Milan Lucic advertisement um, in the newspaper. I believe it was Friday. And I didn't see this before we recorded Friday's podcast, and I apologize. I didn't see it until Friday night maybe, Saturday morning, Uh, Milan Lucic, who was, of course, as you know, traded to the LA Kings um, the day of the NHL draft, the first day on Friday, a couple weeks ago, and Lucic, you know, he said some weird things after the trade, he kind of went back and forth, he said, I think he was kind of a bittersweet move for him. I don't know. I mean, it seems like he was upset he was traded and then because he was upset, he threw a couple jabs by saying, you know, oh, couldn't be any better being on this LA Kings team. There's a chance to win a cup, you know, a couple jabs, I-, I felt like, but I think that's just a-, a human reaction to maybe getting traded out of a place that you've settled into a city that you've You've raised a, you know, you got a family here. You got a lot of friends. Um, You know, you expect to, I think if you're Milan Lucic, you might expect to sign a new contract with the team. Now, obviously, from the outside looking in, it felt like that wasn't going to happen, or at least that should not have happened, that the Bruins should not sign Milan Lucic to an extension. Of course, they didn't, and because they weren't going to, going into his contract year, they ended up trading him. And they got a, look, they made, Based on the business aspect of it, they made a good trade with him, based on what they got in return. Um, Now, in the last year and a half, maybe two years, Milan Lucic has taken a lot of heat in this town, because it did seem like, and and again, this is us judging it from afar, it did seem like, from the outside looking in, Milan Lucic... Didn't have this didn't play with the same passion, didn't want it as much as maybe he did when he first came into the league, right? Kinda didn't have the same heart. And look, it's tough to question a guy's heart. You don't know what's going on behind the scenes. You don't know what's going on in his head, in his life. You have no idea. And you don't know what type of injuries a player might be playing through, right? You have no you've no clue. We have no clue. But based on what we saw, we didn't see the same giddy-up out of Milan Lucic, right? The same passion, the same fire. It wasn't burning. It didn't seem like that, at least, from our vantage point. And I think because of that, you know, you kind of looked at him and said, man, is this guy going to be worth all the money he's going to be asking for at the end of the season? And, of course, the Bruins felt like the answer to that question was no. And you know what? Maybe a change of scenery fixes that problem. You know, maybe Milan Lucic goes. I'm not ruling out that he goes to the Kings next year. And is just, you know, is that guy who's just on his horse, finishing checks. And when Milan Lucic, I've always said this about Lucic, when he's moving his feet, he's a bad man. He is. When Milan Lucic is moving his feet, he is a bad man. That's it. And, uh, you know, he's running around in that ice and he's finishing his checks and he can make plays with the puck and he can even bury a couple here and there. He's a dangerous player. And he's a guy that you love to have on your team, especially in a seven-game playoff series. And I think the Kings are going to love him. And maybe a change of scenery, maybe that gives him that passion back. I don't know. I also know that it gets year in and year out, the longer you're in this league and the older you get, the tougher it is to play the way we expect Milan Lucic to play for 82 games. It's just, it's tough to do. And, of course, we roll our eyes when he can't do it because we say, hey, These guys making millions of dollars and I'm sorry. We have no sympathy for him. Oh, he can't get up and play a hockey game. Um, you know, full speed every night for 82 games. Oh, cry me a river, right? That's, that's our reaction. But if you want to be realistic about it, it's tough to do. It's tough to play the way we want him to play for 82 games. The older you get, I'm sorry. It is. Nobody wants to hear it, but it is. And, uh, You know, as much heat as Milan Lucic has taken in this town recently, in the last year and a half, two years, I will say that when I saw this advertisement in the Boston Globe that Milan Lucic took out a full-page ad, and if you didn't see it, you should make sure you Google it and look it up. It's Lucic in his white Bruins jersey hoisting that Stanley Cup over his head after that Game 7 win in Vancouver. Right in 2011, and then under the picture, which is a great picture, under the picture, it says this, and I'm reading from this now. I was 19 when I joined the Boston Bruins, a very young man. Now, at 27, I must say goodbye to this special city. I lived my dream when we won the Stanley Cup, I married my wife here, both my children were born here, Boston will always be a key part of who I am. I played in front of a group of fans I will never forget, especially my pals in the North End. I want to thank the entire Jacobs family, Cam Neely, Peter Shirelli, Don Sweeney, Scott Bradley, and the rest of the Bruins management team. Uh, He goes on to thank Julian, the coaching staff, Zdeno Chára, the medical staff, strength coaches, fans, family, and then, uh, he finishes it off saying, Boston embraced me over the years and I would not be who I am personally or professionally without each of these special relationships. To the people of Boston, you are hashtag Boston strong. Signed, Milan Lucic. And then again, you scroll up and you see the picture of him hoisting that Stanley Cup. and And you know what? I read that and I look at that and every time I get the fucking chills. I do. I get the chills. You know, Uh, we're, 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 here's what we do. And you know what? I'm hearing this today from some people on the David Ortiz thing, right? If you want to go full circle and come back to that a little bit, um, we take all, we're taking all this shit for granted. We, we, we are, we have taken so much for granted. It's not even funny. Like we're going to sit here today and crush David Ortiz, a guy who literally took a team on his back in 2004 and snapped an 86-year fucking drought, championship drought, okay? Took a team on his back. Also, 2007. Also, 2013. Okay? David Ortiz is a fucking legend. And I'm sorry. I'm not going to sit here today and send him out of town because of one situation yesterday in which doctors sent him home with an illness, right? Um, but, then, you know, I, I, because you also I'd look at this Milan Lucic thing. We've crushed Milan Lucic, crushed him, to the point where I do think that we forgot all about how important this guy was to this Bruins team winning a fucking Stanley Cup in 2011. Won a Stanley Cup. Go look at the picture of Luch hoisting the Stanley Cup with the white Bruins jersey, right? The white road jersey in Vancouver. Hoisting the Stanley Cup, thanking the fans. He says, I was 19 when I joined the Boston Bruins. Do you remember when Milan Luchic joined the Boston Bruins? He was running around. He was putting guys through the fucking glass at the garden. Literally, put a guy through the glass he was winning his fights, he was scoring goals, he was making plays. I mean, do you not remember the Maksavad Milan Lucic days? And then, of course, the Krejci Lucic days. I mean, he's 27 years old now, and he's writing this letter, he's taking this ad out to the people of Boston, you are Boston strong. Um, We just, I, I, I think in the process of not, and I know that's what we do, Right, If if you're not going to show up and play in this town, you're going to hear about it. On this show, on other shows, from fans, from media. Believe me, I'm not knocking that stuff. I'm saying while we do it, I do think sometimes we do it while absolutely forgetting what certain players have meant. Not only to these organizations, to the championship teams they were on, but also to this city. Okay? To this city. And, um... For all the times that we knocked Milan Lucic, I see this ad and it gives me the chills and and you know what? He's not going to fucking hear this. But I I'd like to just take this time out to say thank you. Luc, thank you. Okay? You want you brought a cup here. And I cannot recall a time where I have I mean, look, I loved when the Red Sox won championships but you know how I feel, and it, it may be different emotions, but the Stanley Cup is just a different trophy. It's just a different beast. And, and there's an aspect to that Bruins team where, man, I mean, during the regular season, did you ever think you would ever have a picture of that Bruins team hoisting the Stanley Cup that year? No, I, I didn't, right? Um, to, th- that trophy is just the toughest trophy to win in sports, and when the Bruins were able to pull it off, Milan Lucic was a major piece to the puzzle, and we've knocked them. For two, the last two years. We've done nothing but crush the guy. And he takes out this ad. And it, it should bring you back. And it should make you realize like, wow. Like, I, holy shit. He's gone. Milan Lucic is gone. He's not a Boston Bruin anymore. He's, he's done. The Milan Lucic era is over. And whether it had to come to an end or not. However you feel. Uh, however you feel about the trade. When he was here. That was a special era of Bruins hockey. Because he helped them win a cup. He helped them be one of the better teams in the National Hockey League, one of the tougher teams to play against in the National Hockey League, for a a good stretch, a long time, for a good amount of time. Okay, and that's really what we're asking. That's what we were asking for when he when he came here, right? And when he was putting people through the glass, when he was throwing his hands, when he was scoring goals, and it just makes you think back. At least it makes me think back of wow. You know, you always looked at the Lucic era and you know you you all you kind of expected that that it would always end like luchic you know maybe end his career here i mean that's just the, the type of player he was in this town in this organization and uh he's taking a lot of heat and when i read this ad and look i've given him heat too you know i've given him shit for for looking at times like he, he, he didn't want it as bad as we wanted him to want it as bad as we wanted it uh but at the same time while we're upset I think I do think we do not acknowledge the fact that this guy was such a special player for this Bruins organization and leading this team to a Stanley Cup. And uh, I just all I'm saying is, look at this ad. You know, think back, remember those days because to someone like myself, 32 years old, those might those might be the good old days. No, those were the good old days. And you know, you look at the Red Sox, you look at the Patriots now. You know, as we sit here and wait for Roger Goodell's suspension, you know, after the NFL announces that they've knocked Greg Hardy's suspension down from ten games to four, like, are you fucking kidding me? National Football League, is this a joke? Like, what are you guys doing? What's going on in there? What's what's going on in the NFL offices? So here's what you got to do now. You have no choice. You have to eliminate Tom Brady's suspension altogether, right? I mean, I was saying this before. You knocked Greg Hardy's suspension down because you cannot have a Greg Hardy suspension conversation with a Tom Brady suspension conversation. It's just not even... The conversation shouldn't be had in the same room. Um, so you have to eliminate Tom Brady's suspension. It's simple as that. But regardless, either way, Tom Brady is going to finish this season with the Patriots. And will he finish his career? I have no idea. And I say I have no idea because I always say this. Joe Montana finished his career with the Kansas City Chiefs. And if that's that can happen... Anybody, anybody can finish their career anywhere, as loved as they might be, as special as they might be. But all I'm saying is, you know, as we will sit back today and we will hear David Ortiz maybe getting run out of town from certain people because he missed the game yesterday because of a cold. You know, look at him on Lucha, Chad. Look at him holding the Stanley Cup. Think about some of these players. Think about what Ortiz has meant to this organization. Think about, as we wait on Roger Goodell, Tom Brady, what this Patriots team with Belichick and Brady has meant. Think about the good times that we've had and how one day they might not be so good anymore, all right? And um, maybe, just maybe, you'll take a couple steps back on the David Ortiz criticism today, if you have it. I don't know. Maybe there won't be much of it. I'm not sure. Bottom line is the Red Sox lost today because Wade Miley couldn't fucking pitch at all, and he barks in the game time run in the fifth inning, all right? And that was a buck. Red Sox need pitching. There's no question. Even more so now that Clay Buckholz is injured. So, we'll keep an eye on them. I don't think they're going to do anything this season. I don't think they're making any noise. I think the trades that the Red Sox should make, uh, you know, should be the, the easy decisions. The Napoli's, the Victorinos, uh, entertain the koji Uihara trade. I was telling you they should have traded Buckholz high. Obviously, that's going to be awfully tough to do now because his trade value cannot be very high given this injury. And who knows? At the same time, you can always package some top prospects for a top-of-the-line starting pitcher that might be available. And if you think a guy's not available, guess what? Maybe go out and try to overwhelm and make him available. Maybe. Maybe. Why not try it? Who knows? The closer we get to July 31st, we will break all the trade stuff down. Uh, and we'll, we'll, you know, the minute I, we hear from Roger Goodell, and who knows when it's going to come down. Could be any day now. Could be any minute. By the time you listen to this podcast, we could, you know, we, you could already know the suspension result of the appeal hearing. Did it get eliminated? Uh, did it get knocked down to two? Who knows? When it does come out, I will react to it um, and break it all down. I'm here five days a week. DannyPicard.com. You can also subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, anywhere, really, that you can get a podcast. Make sure you follow me on Twitter, at Danny Picard, also on Facebook, Instagram, All forms of social media, I am on it. And tonight, on this Monday night at 10 o'clock, 10 to midnight, I will be on WEI 93.7 FM here in Boston. Also listen on their website. But, you know, subscribe to the Danny Picard Show on iTunes. You get this show every day, five days a week. Um, DannyPicard.com. Talk to you tonight on WEI and then back here tomorrow. See you.